Welcome to the Buddha Sasana podcast. This talk was given by Bhikkhu Chintita in Chisago City, Minnesota. We've been talking about the many exercises for contemplation of the Satipatthana Sutta. To summarize, each of these exercises serves to investigate, verify, and internalize Dhamma, the teachings of the Buddha. In terms of concrete experience, fulfilling the Buddha's invitation to come and see. Rather than simply file the Dhamma away somewhere in memory. Accordingly, in each exercise, we hold two things in mind, Dhamma and observables. Dhamma here is some particular teaching or cluster of teachings, and observables are experiential events that potentially verify these teachings. Today I want to talk about an exercise that concerns a hugely important Dhamma teaching, the five aggregates of appropriation. There are many discourses in the early texts on this topic. Here is how the exercise reads. Again, bhikkhus, a bhikkhu abides contemplating dhammas and dhammas in terms of the five appropriation aggregates. And how does a bhikkhu abide contemplating dhammas and dhammas in terms of the five appropriation aggregates? Here a bhikkhu comprehends such as form, such its origin, such its disappearance, such its feeling, such its origin, such its disappearance, such as perception, such its origin, such its disappearance, such are the fabrications, such their origin, such their disappearance, such its cognizance, such its origin, such its disappearance. So, for any exercise, it's important to understand the Dhamma involved, and it's important to know how to recognize observable instances of that Dhamma at work. So, what are these aggregates of appropriation, and how do we recognize them in experience? First, aggregates of appropriation is a compound in Pali, and each part can be looked at separately. An aggregate just refers to an unordered heap of something, an aggregate of rice, an aggregate of firewood, and so on. Appropriation is what is often translated as attaching or clinging. We appropriate certain things as me and mine. Therefore, we're talking about identifying with heaps of something as possessions or as self. Let's look at the heaps themselves, form, feeling, perception, fabrication, and consciousness. Form refers to raw experience, basically sense data. Specifically, it refers to visual experiences. 
but stands here for sounds, odors, tastes, and bodily sensations as well, as well as certain input from the mind, the various sense fields. We looked at feeling in a recent talk. There's an exercise that focuses on feeling itself. Feeling refers to evolving interest as painful, pleasant, or as something else, perhaps just curiosity. Perception is the spontaneous recognition of objects and qualities in the world of experience. For instance, as a pattern of shapes and colors in the visual sense field becomes a face or a toaster or a duck or whatever. Fabrication is literally putting together or compounding from other experiential events, deriving deeper levels of experience from other experiences, largely by inference. It often takes the form of calls to action or volition. Emotions more complex than feelings are fabrications as well. Cognizance is a profoundly fleshed-out sense of what we presume is reality. An immediate awareness of the world in all its depth, far beyond what is directly experienced. It feels like the immediate presence of a world out there. Now, what do these five factors have in common? Each is a type of awareness ranked from the simplest to the most complex. Awareness itself is dual. It is what we think of as a mental event, but it is also awareness of something else. A field, meaningfulness, and object, relations among objects, or the world out there. For instance, we're aware of our dog Fido. The awareness itself is mental. Fido is a physical object that exists out there. These are our observables, but it's important to be clear about what we are not observing. If we think of the aggregates of faculties of awareness, maybe circuits in the brain are components of the mind that perform the five sorts of awareness, there is really nothing we can observe directly. These are theories. But then we remember each of these is declared to be an aggregate, a heap of something. What is it a heap of? Instances of awareness. These we can observe directly at the present moment. A stream of awareness events is passing by right now. We just need to observe them and allocate each to one of the five heaps. And that is how we perform this exercise. An effective strategy is to focus on one of the aggregates at a time, starting with form. To observe form alone, we experience the world prior to any differentiation into things. This is not easy because all five kinds of awareness events tend to flood the world at once. This is best achieved in the higher jhanas, deep meditative states in which, theoretically, the more complex faculties of cognition have been shut off. Many meditators like to close the eyes in order to reduce awareness to sounds, 
but with practice we can learn to witness our visual field as just undifferentiated shapes and colors. We don't have to perfect this. Occasional pleasant sensations will arise and recognition of objects, but this gives us a perspective on the next two aggregates without being overwhelmed by them. Unfortunately, if we remain in a higher jhana, we will have little opportunity to observe fabrications or instances of cognizance. Our experience of the world will remain very flat. We have to resort to the first jhana or to the unhindered mind to observe the last two aggregates. Now that you understand the basic dhamma of the aggregates and know how to recognize the observables, you can proceed to perform this exercise. This is a wonderfully rewarding exercise, productive of many insights, and will eventually produce a radical shift in how you view your world of experience. In particular, it reveals the fabricated nature of what we take to be the world out there, existing independently of us, with its objects and relations, but accessible to us if we but look. Our previous practice has always been to observe that world but ignore the awareness events themselves that make it possible. This exercise is to be aware of how it appears and aware of the cognitive stitches that hold it together, simply by categorizing each awareness event into one of the five aggregates. There is a wonderful short discourse in the early texts that provides some insight into the aggregates from Bhikkhuni Wajira, an early disciple of the Buddha. It seems that she was sitting in meditation when she was visited by the Dima Mara, whose mission in life seems to have been to disrupt the practice of Buddhists. He is portrayed as trying to disrupt the Buddha to be's practice right before his awakening, but the early texts do not actually tell us that. That is a later embellishment. Nonetheless, he does appear to add a little color in the earlier texts. Anyway, Mara, the evil one, desiring to arouse fear, trepidation, and terror in Wajira, desiring to make her fall away from concentration, approached her and addressed her in verse. By whom has this being been created? Where is the maker of the being? Where has the being arisen? Where does the being cease? By the way, I hope people realize that I edit these audios to get the various voice effects. My voice is not that versatile. Mara was trying to confuse her with questions about the self, which we've been talking about here in the last weeks. She is a fully awakened nun, so she immediately recognized that this is Mara. Mara generally appears in disguise. Her reply, also in verse, is brilliant and has had a lasting influence on Buddhist thought. Why, now do you assume a being? Mara, is that your speculative view? 
This is a heap of sheer formations. Here no being is found. The self is fabricated, a speculative view, that is, a presumption. Then she offers a famous analogy. Just as with an assemblage of parts, the word chariot is used, so when the aggregates exist, there is the convention a being. It's only suffering that comes to be, suffering that stands and falls away. Nothing but suffering comes to be, nothing but suffering ceases. Then Mara, the evil one, realizes, The Bakuni Wajira knows me. Sad and disappointed, Mara disappears. This is what happens every time with Mara. Now, here is an interesting question. We've seen in the past talks that the Buddha recognized three facets of the self. The body self, the witness self, and the mind self. Which is Wajira talking about here? Since the aggregates seem to run the gamut of awareness events, and awareness events are the building blocks of our reality, including our presumed self, we might say she is talking about all of them. However, the aggregates fabricate all of our reality, and she says, whenever they exist conventionally, we call it a self. Presumably not all of our reality is a self. The traditionally accepted answer adheres closely to the chariot analogy. She is talking about a composite of body and mind. Form stands for the body, and feeling, perception, fabrication, and cognizance constitute the mind. They are five parts that when assembled make up the presumed psychophysical organism that we presume to be a self. There are a couple of problems with this. One, the meaning for calling the parts aggregates seem to be lost, as well as the role of awareness events. We seem to be back to assuming faculties or parts that are assembled. Two, form is not body. Form is rupa. Body is kaya in Pali. Any set of mind factors could have been chosen to constitute the mind. The choice of awareness factors would seem to be arbitrary. What's wrong with thought and emotion? I think the answer to our question is actually that she is talking about the witness self. That makes sense in terms of what we've said about awareness. The five aggregates represent the five means of awareness, and therefore five ways in which witnessing occurs. Recall that the feeling exercise we talked about three weeks ago serves to quell the presumption of a witness self. Each of the aggregates serve to do the same thing. In fact, one of the aggregates is none other than feeling. The witness self seems to be the strongest self and the most difficult to quell. The presumption rests on the natural but logically unfounded claims that if there is sensing going on, then there must be a sensor. If there is feeling going on, then there must be a feeler. 
If there is perception going on, then there must be a perceiver. If there is fabrication going on, then there must be a fabricator. If there is cognizance going on, then there must be a cognizer. But consider, if there is rain going on, is there a rainer? Someone turning on the spigot? Normal people clearly have the sense that there is a witness self lurking over our shoulder, even if they never see it directly. The aggregate's teaching invites us to have the sense of five witness selves over our shoulder to constitute five parts of a being before dispelling the presumption of any self. Our observables are the various awareness events evolved, and they constitute potential evidence for the presumption of a witness self. As the observables in other exercises, awareness events are impermanent, quite fleeting, and contingent, and therefore cannot provide evidence for the existing of something fixed and substantial. But we might have to sit with the aggregates for a long time before the witness self is no longer peering over our shoulder. I think the witness self is probably the most difficult self to dispel. We've been talking about aggregates, but the text calls them appropriation aggregates. In this way, he abides contemplating dhammas and dhammas internally. He abides contemplating dhammas and dhammas externally, dot, dot, dot. That is how a bhikkhu abides contemplating dhammas and dhammas in terms of the five appropriation aggregates. Appropriation means presumptively appropriating something as me or mine, that is, as constituents or possessions of the self. It is a technical term, one of the twelve links of dependent co-arising, often translated as attachment or clinging, which to my mind do not convey the sense of self-identification that the Pali Upadana does. I prefer appropriation. This is exactly what the common worldling does continuously with the five aggregates, giving us the five parts that make up the chariot or the witness self. In sum, the successful practice of the aggregates exercise gives us insight into two important and related teachings of the Buddha. The first is the mentally fabricated nature of the world, which arises as objects of awareness of the five aggregates. The second is, once again, non-self, specifically quelling the presumption of the witness self. The second fruit of the exercise is shared by the second satipatthana, the feeling exercise. It is also shared by the sixfold sense sphere exercise, which we will turn to next week. To learn more about the Rethinking the Satipatthana Project, please go to sirigu.org slash chintita. That is S-I-T-A-G-U 
cintita.org, C-I-N-T-I-T-A.